Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. We're all talking about attachment style now and how it relates to the way that we show up in relationship. And it can be super enlightening to learn about your attachment style and to see how it plays out in your relationship. And of course, to also see your partner's attachment style. It can explain a lot about how the two of you interact. But how do you avoid being victimized by your attachment style? Are you trapped? in this never-ending cycle of unhealthy ways to relate? Or is there a way to get beyond those unhealthy patterns and break the cycle? And if you're a securely attached person, how do you avoid being pulled in to those potential challenges when your partner is dealing with an insecure attachment style? Of course, I could write a book about this entire thing, but we are going to cover some of the finer points on today's episode. And I'd like to start this episode with gratitude, the way I'm learning to start all of my days and basically everything important that I do, I start with gratitude at this point. So I want to thank you for being here with me and listening and for doing your part to get the word out about Relationship Alive to your friends and neighbors and Facebook friends and and all of that. Everything that you're doing is helping spread the word and not only help people find out about Relationship Alive, but on a deeper level to help others with their relationships. And you never really know when someone is looking for a particular kind of help. Usually when people are in need, they don't broadcast that to others. So just being one of those people who's helping get the word out, you may be sort of an unsung hero to someone who's really looking for the kind of wisdom that we're offering here. So thank you for doing your part. And if you're able and you're finding Relationship Alive to be helpful, please consider a donation to help ensure that we can continue. Every little bit counts, and it all contributes to helping keep the lights on here at Relationship Alive headquarters. To choose something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com support or you can text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And this week, I would love to thank Sarah, Jordan, Stephanie, Jennifer, Kelly, and Kent. Thank you all so much for your generous contributions and support of Relationship Alive. Also, mark your calendars for June 6th, 2019, where if you're interested, you can come and experience Relationship Alive live in Portland, Maine. We'll have a special guest, Terry Reel, who will be there to not only talk about how to have an amazing relationship and how to solve those pernicious relationship problems, but he'll also be there to take your questions live. We'll also have musical guest Katie Matzell to make sure we keep things light, although I think things are going to be light no matter what. And uh, it's a very intimate setting here in Portland uh, at One Longfellow. So please make sure you snap up your tickets before they are gone. To get more information, just visit neilsatin.com slash tickets. And there's everything that you need to know right there on that page. 
We have a really cool new sponsor this week that I'll be excited to tell you about in a little bit. And lastly, if you have not joined us already on Facebook, please come join the Relationship Alive community, where you can find other like-minded people and create a safe space to get support for you in your relationship. So that's the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. And I think that's it. So let's get on with the show. Attachment. It's the latest, greatest buzzword. Well, it's been around for quite a while now. Of course, a long time if you're considering uh, John Bowlby's uh, research into attachment and the attachment theory that came out of his research. Um, But it's relatively recently, you know, say in the past 20-ish years, that the ways that attachment has played out in our adult relationships has come more into the foreground. Now, we're not going to go into a whole overview of attachment theory. Um, For one thing, we've covered that a lot here on the show. If you are interested in hearing more, then, well, for one thing, I want to let you know that next week we're going to have David Mars on the podcast, who's the uh, creator of AEDP for Couples. And this is a method that's uh, a modality that's all about healing attachment traumas through how they show up in your relationship, which is a little hint at what we're going to be talking about today. In other words, no, you are not doomed. And there's going to be more about this next week for you. Uh, But on top of that, we've had several past episodes with Stan Tatkin, who wrote Wired for Love and Wired for Dating. And um, his psychobiological approach to couples therapy is all about how attachment plays out in, uh, in our couple bubble, as he calls it. His episodes are 19, 50, and 150, uh, which you can find on my website or scrolling back through uh, your podcast app. Um, the other person who talks a lot about attachment, who's been on the show quite a bit, is Sue Johnson, uh, the creator of Emotionally Focused Couples Therapy. And her episodes are number 27, 82, 100, and 172. So right there, that's like, seven hours of learning about, not just about attachment. I mean, that would be kind of dry, right? If we were just talking about attachment that whole time. So of course, each of those episodes is about how a particular aspect of attachment plays out in uh, in your relationship. And uh, that episode 100 with Sue Johnson also features John Gottman. They were talking about attraction and different ways of, of fostering attraction in your relationship. That was for our special 100th anniversary episode. So what's important for us to know right now? It's important for us to know that there are people in the world who are securely attached, who grew up having parents who responded to their needs, who created a safe environment for them to grow, who were able to fail and not have it end their world. Um, They weren't shamed or blamed for failure and uh, where their parents gave them space, where they did not make their children responsible for their own emotional wellness. They didn't put demands on them like that. They didn't overwhelm them uh, with their emotions. So these people exist. I am not one of them. Now, my parents, 
they did a pretty good job, I think, overall. Like when I look at the landscape of parenting choices, I'm I'm feel mostly pretty lucky with my parents. Though there are some notable exceptions, and some of those things are things that we've covered on the show, things that were really challenging. And you know, let's face it, as um, great as as an example as I remember them to be. Um, when there's mental illness in your household. And I, I spoke on our show about depression with Michael Yapko. I talked about my mother's struggle with depression. It's hard to imagine someone who's really depressed showing up really, really well in as a parent, you know? So I know my mom did her best. I do not hold that against her. And um, I know that there are places where uh, it probably wasn't the best for me. Um, so I evolved in to have my own insecure attachment style. And we're going to talk about that a little bit because there's some interesting qualities to one's attachment style. The first thing is that while we are rooted in one place, you know, we, we, we grow and learn to act in a certain way, it's not totally fixed. So in other words, um, one way that Stan Tatkin likes to identify people in the attachment, in the insecure attachment spectrum is uh, calling people either waves or islands. Um, a wave is a person who is, and this would be considered an anxious attachment style, um, an insecure anxious attachment style. They are someone who leans in a lot. So they're really afraid of being abandoned in the relationship. And if you are not giving them attention and, and listening to them and showing up with love and energy and um, acknowledgement, um, then a wave is going to feel a lot of fear coming up for them. And so they are going to handle that fear by leaning in. They're going to want to talk to you. They're going to want cuddles. They're going to want whatever their love language is. They're going to want more of that. And um, I'm speaking about this with a smile on my face because in many of my relationships, this is how I've shown up. So I can relate a lot as a wave to how that works. Um, on the flip side, you have the avoidant insecure attachment styles, which Stan Tatkin calls islands. These are people who um, still want to be connected. I mean, that's the thing is everyone wants connection in their lives. And this is all about how we responded to the way that connection was available to us when we were children from our primary caregivers. Um, for generally our parents, but also the way our teachers interacted with us, that's often something, or our grandparents. So there's lots that plays into how our attachment style developed. Um, so if you're an avoidant style or an island, what that means is that you probably had the experience when you were younger of people overwhelming you with their emotions, with their needs. Um, it could be that a parent made you responsible for their emotional well-being. And so you learn to take care of yourself by disengaging. So anytime something gets too intense and starts to trigger you, you disengage and take space in order to regulate yourself. So for a wave, 
or an anxious attachment. That's someone who reaches out for connection as a way of, of regulating and uh, an island or an avoidant person is someone who retreats for uh, a, a, in order to regulate, to attempt to regulate. So the thing is we, we develop these attachment styles because they work, because they're effective. They work in the situation where we grow up they and we learn to interact with the world that way and in some respects it works in the world around us in the ways that we construct our world the ways that we teach people how to interact with us how to respond to us uh, we generally create quite a structure that supports how we have learned to interact with other people so in a way just calling them insecure attachment styles I kind of don't like that, and I and I get why Stan came up with islands and waves because I think the overall goal that we're trying to get is to really not have judgment attached to it. Uh, haha, attached. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where you are either feeling shame for your own way of how you learned to deal with the world around you. Um, and likewise, you don't want to be judging or blaming your partner for the way that they are. And this goes both ways. Um, it came up recently in the Relationship Alive community because there are a lot of people who, funny enough, find themselves in relationship with the opposite. So, you know, waves often think like, wouldn't it be great if I were just in a relationship with another wave? Or islands might think like, wouldn't it be great if I could just find another island who would give me the space I need and they could have all the space they need? I'll talk about that in a moment. But what tends to happen is we are attracted to our opposite. So a wave will seek an island, an island will seek a wave because each offers something that the other is missing in terms of how they show up in the world. So there's something really valuable that we can teach each other as we grow. And in the end, as we grow, we get to transcend our attachment style and learn how to be securely attached. It's called earned secure attachment. And I will be covering some of the basic components of how you earn your secure attachment um, later on in this episode. But first, I just want to give you this sense that's so important, which is you are not bad for your attachment style, and neither one is necessarily better in a relationship. You've probably heard of the pursuer-distancer dynamic, right? Like that's where one person pursues, the other person escapes or attempts to escape. Well, that is the the wave leaning in, the anxious person leaning in, and the avoidant person, the island leaning away. That's that dynamic in action. And that's why I think when we read about attachment styles, it can be so validating for us. You read about it and you're like, wow, that is my experience. And then you might be tempted to think like, oh, well, wouldn't a relationship be so much better if other people were like me. Like for instance, if you're an island, right? And and actually, okay, so before I go down this road, I just wanna say that there is some flexibility in how you show up with uh, in an insecurely attached relationship. So even if you have found yourself to be a wave, if you end up in a relationship with someone who's like even more wavy than you are, 
you might flip polarity and suddenly become more of an island, more avoidant, um, because it could be that that wave is overwhelming you with their emotional intensity. And so you may find yourself wanting to get some space, dissociating, whatever it is, to to get away. And that can also happen in the other direction. If you are an island with another island, remember, we all want connection. So if you are both avoiding each other, when especially any sort of intensity with each other, then often two kinds of things can happen. One of those things is... Uh, that an island ends up just finding a wave, just kind of they sort of drift away from each other. And that's one possibility. Waves are much more likely to just kind of combust because there's too much happening if they're in relationship with each other. Uh, Islands are more likely to drift away um, from each other. And so that's one possibility. The other is that one of them will really end up craving that connection that they're not getting enough of. They might even miss it from a prior partnership with with a wave. So they're going to start leaning in more and leaning in more. And before you know it, that island has become a wave. So you see, there's some flexibility there. You are actually not fixed. But one important aspect of this whole dance that I'm describing is this entire dynamic is not very satisfying over the long term it i hesitate to say it's not sustainable because plenty of people stay in that dynamic for a long long time and if not with their current partner they'll just do it with someone else so in some respects it is sustainable it's a wheel that will spin it creates its own momentum but in the end you're going to be left feeling like uh icky or like there's something missing or like there's something wrong You might decide there's something wrong with your partner. There's a lot of potentially labeling, for instance, um, someone who's an island or an avoidant person, labeling them as a narcissist because whenever we want them to show up for us, they retreat. So clearly they must be a narcissist, right? Because they're, they're not showing up for our needs. Whereas the truth is that we may be overwhelming them with our needs. And, and it's a delicate dance when you are in the anxious avoidant dynamic. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a delicate dance to like keep that operating in a way where one person doesn't get triggered or their feelings don't get hurt. And also it can leave you wondering, and I, I see a lot of couples in this place where they're just like this, they realize it's unsustainable and unsatisfying, and then they start to think, well, I need to go elsewhere. There's, there's a fatal flaw in this relationship. And the fatal flaw is you're a wave and I'm an island or vice versa. You're an, an island and I'm a wave. And, um, and then they go right out into the world and find, surprise, surprise, someone new who has the exact same situation. So like, it's, of course, there are, there is the chance that you're going to find someone who's securely attached And I just want to say there, too, that the danger is that if you're insecurely attached and your securely attached new partner is showing up the way a securely attached person does, then you may find that either they get tired of you really quickly 
or you may end up knocking them off balance where they become one or the other insecurely attached person, which also for them will feel probably exhilarating at first and then really discombobulating and, and ultimately unsatisfying. So we can all pull each other in to that dance if we want, but also we have the ability to elevate out of that dance. And hopefully at this moment, you're getting the sense that there's a chance for you to do something different and to experience something different with your partner. And I'm really excited to share with you just some of the base ways that you can elevate your attachment. You can get to that earned secure attachment. And uh, we are going to cover that in a moment right after I tell you about our new sponsor, Sweet Hop. So as I mentioned at the very beginning, I'm really excited to tell you about this new sponsor for Relationship Alive, Sweet Hop. They have a unique date night offering for you, especially if you're close to a major metropolitan area. So as I mentioned, their name is Sweet Hop, and what they offer is really cool. At venues and arenas across the country, there are games and concerts, and sadly, often the luxury suites or the VIP boxes sit empty or half full because they're simply not made available or accessible to the public compared to your regular general admission seating. Have you ever wondered what it might be like to take in a concert or a game from one of those really cool luxury boxes? Well, Sweet Hop allows the owners of those boxes who often don't use them or don't show up to use them, it gives them the ability to sell tickets to you so that you can have that experience. The luxury suites and VIP box seats are usually available in groups of two to eight seats, which is perfect for a date night or to go with a group of friends. And they usually include access to luxury clubs, exclusive bathrooms, and a VIP entrance to the venue. So these are great seats for a show. And along with having plenty of space and no sweaty drunk people landing on top of you, there are also fabulous food and beverage options that can turn a regular event or game into a luxury experience. So on the Sweet Hop website, it is super easy to browse the list of events or games in your area, or to simply pull up a venue and see everything that's available for that venue. So if you're looking for an extra special date night option that your partner definitely won't forget, check out Sweet Hop. Visit www.sweethop.com slash date night to find an amphitheater and show near you. That's S-U-I-T-E hop.com slash date night. And thank you so much, Sweet Hop, for sponsoring this episode of Relationship Alive. So now let's get back to the conversation about how to escape the never-ending loop of attachment-style drama in your relationship. Now, even using that word drama gets me a little bit on edge because in truth, that drama, when a relationship begins, is often excitement or passion. It's that thing that lets you really appreciate the, the quirkiness about your partner. It's often what pulls you into a relationship with someone. 
the thing is that that excitement as you leave the honeymoon phase of your relationship and enter into the power struggle phase of your relationship then we start to label it as drama because we can see that it's really unsatisfying and not sustaining and it hurts it hurts our heart and so we're not condemning the drama and you know at some level we may even still savor the aspects of it that are exciting but we want to elevate ourselves to a place where we feel safe enough in our relationship that the parts of our brain that allow us to be creative and playful and to access our core emotions. Do you know that lust and sexuality, that's a core emotion and you can only get there really if you're either high on the drugs of first of finding love. So that's the, that per particular falling in love cocktail of dopamine and uh, oxytocin and uh, endorphins. Um, that can give you this temporary high of feeling safe enough to actually experience your core emotions, your bliss, your joy, your lust, you know, as well as the core emotions of sadness or fear or anger. Um, but even those are easier to take often when you're in that state of falling in love, right? Because that's just the nature of the biochemicals that are going through our system. However, once you're deep into a relationship, the way that you can sustain and access those core emotions is through creating a context of safety. That is why safety is so important. And I mentioned at the beginning that the way that someone grows up to be securely attached, to have a really strong sense of who they are, to not take things personally, to be able to handle other people getting upset without it overwhelming them or making them anxious, the way that they get that is through growing up in a very safe environment, a safe environment that was safe for them to explore, to mess up, to, to repair, all of those things. It wasn't so safe that there was no danger. It wasn't so safe that they never experienced anything. It was just safe in that it allowed them to live and to grow. And when things went wrong, to not feel shame about it, but instead to just take corrective action. So these are all the things that we're going to be fostering in our relationship as we evolve past an insecure attachment style and earn our secure attachment. The safety is key. And from that safety grows the ability to take risks that will also add to keeping things exciting and interesting. So it engages that part of your brain that allows you to be creative and take smart risks, fun risks, not the, not the kind of risks that might really mess everything up. Um, although you may mess up, but again, when you have that container of safety with your partner, you are allowed to mess up without you know, walking on eggshells or figuring that they're, they're not going to talk to you for a week. You, the safety is also the safety to not be perfect. We're, we're developing perfectly imperfect relationships. And, you know, I think that might be the new theme for Relationship Alive is, is creating the, the perfect imperfect relationship that no matter what, it's never going to be perfect. But what can be perfect is the way that we handle that imperfection. So one of the key ways to create safety in your relationship is by how you communicate. 
and I am on the edge of having a new communication course ready for you. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a really powerful way of improving the communication in your relationship, feeling understood, understanding your partner. Um, it's specific, specifically designed for people in relationship and specifically designed for one person. So your partner does not have to take this course in order for you and your partner to both benefit. Um, it's not quite ready yet, but you can get my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets if you haven't downloaded yet that. If you haven't downloaded that yet, there we go. Uh, in order to get that, you just visit neilsatin.com slash relate, or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and then you can download that free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. And if you have downloaded the guide, I am wondering, have you put those into practice? Do you even remember what they are? Did you read the guide? <laughs> Right, I mean, I'm I'm like that too, an information junkie, and I'm getting stuff all the time. But but it only really makes a difference if you put that stuff into practice. So those are just my top three secrets. The course is, of course, going to cover a lot more, but I definitely recommend it because the way that you communicate with your partner, it is the thing that helps define how safe your partner will feel with you, and how safe you will feel with your partner. And it's a two-way street. In fact, the more that you can do to create the container of safety, the more your partner will feel invited into that container with you. And, and you will see them shift. Now, that doesn't happen all the time, but there's so much that you can do as one person before I would ever suggest throwing in the towel. Um, I'm putting in the obligatory, if you are in an abusive situation, you should get out of that situation. But if you're just in a situation that has some drama or some problems or you've you've grown apart from each other or you're not sure how to connect, then healing the rupture is actually generally possible for you. And the way that you do that is by paying attention to the safety. So that's one thing. That's so I, I talking I'm talking about how you show up with communication. The next thing that's super important is how you find safety within yourself. So often when we get riled up or triggered in our relationship, we then make it our partner's responsibility to fix us. Or if we're not making it their responsibility to fix us, we are sure as hell blaming them for giving us this horrible experience in the first place. So this is a radical step towards earned secure attachment, which is stepping into responsibility for how you feel. Now, this doesn't mean that our partners don't impact us or that we don't impact them. I'm not saying that you should be uh, immune to their influence or that when they say something loving, you shouldn't feel all that um, love and adoration or that when they say something that's cutting that you shouldn't feel hurt or whatever. You feel how you feel. So that's not what I'm talking about. However, what I am talking about is recognizing when you feel a certain way that the very first thing that you can do, and this is something securely attached people are really good at, is take care of yourself. So before you're like, whoa, you know, that, 
you know, you, what did you just do to me? Like, you just really hurt me. Then before you even do that, you need to recognize that you have been hurt and you need to put on your own oxygen mask. You need to, to deal with your own wound in that moment. Now, in the case of your, your partner saying something cutting and wow, what a word, right? Cutting. Um, the very first thing you might do is say, ouch, like, ow, that, that really hurt. So you can let them know that they had an impact on you. And, but then at that point, what is really powerful is for you to turn attention to yourself and figure out what you need in that moment to come back into balance. So all the ways that you can take care of yourself in that moment will help you create that inner sense of safety so that then you can turn to your partner and say, all right, I got a little knocked off balance there by what you said. It was really hard for me to hear. Can we talk about a different way to have this, have this conversation, right? There are so many possibilities of what you do at that point, and that's another thing I'm going to be addressing in the communication course. What's important here for you to see is that you can shift the shape of how those interactions go by stepping into a new sense of responsibility for yourself and making your partner aware that that's what you're doing, because sometimes they might wonder, like, well, where'd you go? And you might be able to tell them, oh, you know, like, wow, that really hurt. I'm just like recalibrating or I'm dealing with how hurt I feel right now. Um, that can often be a huge relief to your partner who may not have known that what they said was cutting um, or they may have known that it was going to hurt, but not quite so much. And overall, I always want to be nudging relationships in the direction of treating each other really respectfully and not having a place for sarcasm or negative energy or anything that's going to create toxicity in your relationship space. As much as possible, both partners want to develop an awareness of that and take responsibility for it and, and root it out of the system, the relationship system. That's another part of creating a safe space and being able to feel secure attachment with your partner is by uh, showing up when the environment accidentally gets poisoned by something you do and doing what you need to do to repair it. That process of repairing is another key component of uh, earned secure attachment. What do you do when things go wrong? Okay. So I've covered a lot. We've talked about how the way that you communicate is important. We've talked about how you take care of yourself is important. We've talked about repair. And all of this is about creating enough safety in your relationship to take things to the next level. And that safety is a ground that you always return to. Because when you take a risk and go out on a limb and things go wrong, then you want to come back to all right, things went wrong. What do we do to rebuild and to not hold each other to blame for something going wrong, to, to turn to each other as a resource and say, all right, we tried, things didn't go so well. What do we do now? And the more that you shift your focus to the present moment, to growing your, to a growth mindset towards the future, then the more you will be 
myelinating those pathways of secure attachment and learning new ways to do it. It takes practice. And I want to just offer you this encouragement and reassurance that it could take some time and it could take some practice and it could take some trial and error to get it right over time. But over time, you will evolve. So if you are someone who has been working on this a while and you feel the progress, but then every so often there's a setback that can be disheartening, what I would love for you to feel in that moment is maybe the initial impact of the setback and in fact, really getting related to that. Oh, you know, there was a setback and that that's really hard for me right now. And this is how it's feeling within me. This is how it feels in my body. And so getting really acquainted with that feeling of, of maybe heartbreak when there's a setback, taking care of yourself and then saying, okay, the reason this happened is because, well, it's either because you started to neglect uh, the nurturing and care of your relationship or it happened because you took a risk or your partner took a risk. And that's something that should really be celebrated. So how do you then celebrate the risk and even celebrate the things going wrong? And I'm putting wrong in quotes. How do you celebrate that and then say, okay, now what gets really juicy is you and me showing up to make things even better because I haven't abandoned you yet. <laughs> and hopefully I never will. Um, that's what we're aiming for in terms of our committed relationships. You may feel like you want to jump ship. And at times, especially when things are hard, yeah, like that's where our danger brains want to go. They want to go to get me out of here. That's normal. So you can recognize it as like, okay, that's normal. It's normal to feel that way. I can relate that to this feeling of heartbreak over the disconnection or the rupture, whatever it is that happened. You normalize it, accept yourself. Think about if you had a young child, what would you offer them in that moment? How would you help that young child see that it was all okay and just part of the process and part of learning and to give them that sense of, you know what, I'm not doomed. Like there's, there's an, the sun is coming up tomorrow, right? Um, then give yourself that kind of reassurance and feedback and then take that step into the new day. So that is my wish for you today that you cannot feel victimized by what you have learned about attachment styles and insecure attachment. And you can see that there is a pathway toward learning new ways that it takes some time, but you can get there. You can embody a secure attachment style and really experience that in your relationship you will you can grow to that place i hope you're feeling inspired to start anew as soon as you've you know stopped listening to this episode hope to see you in the facebook community relationship alive community as always you can feel free to write me and let me know about your experience my email address is neilius n-e-i-l-i-u-s at neilsatin.com i read every email that i get i cannot always respond because I get a lot of email, but it is so helpful for me to hear from you. It um, helps me guide what comes up in future content for the podcast or courses and, uh, and or interviews. 
And plus, it's just great to hear from you and to know that this work is having a positive impact in your life. So I will see you next week with David Mars talking about AEDP for couples, which I know sounds like a mouthful, but I am so passionate about this work right now. And I'm really, really excited for you to hear from him. And uh, I think we might even be posting the video uh, on YouTube, the video of our conversation. I haven't watched it yet, but if it all seems okay, I'm going to actually post that. um, So you can check that out as well. In the meantime, take care of yourself, take care of your beloved and or beloveds, and uh, I'll see you next week.